Welcome back to Next Scene Pod, podcast taking on pop culture one scene at a time. I'm your host, Sean. Uh, my brother, Brian, could, could not make it this week, uh, but we continue on our, on our road to Shane Blackville, and we've reached our destination with our final film of the season uh, from 2016, the Shane Black written and directed The Nice Guys. And joining us today, we have a wonderful guest. It's Travis. Hello there. All right. Welcome back, Travis. I think listeners to our uh, to our podcast will will recognize your voice. And with us once again is our resident Shane Black expert. It's Dave. Hello, nice to be back. And I know I'll date the episode, but uh, happy. I think you should Eve. You know, it's the night yeah. night before season two. Ooh, very, very excited, very excited for uh, for that coming out tomorrow. Um, but in the meantime, we're here to talk about the nice guys. So this is sort of the um, well, I guess it's, I, you know, I guess part the, the question I kind of want to discuss and hopefully we'll have an answer to at the end. Is this is this the pinnacle? Is this the peak of of Shane Blackness, um, at least so far? I mean, I think we've we've touched a little bit. I know, Dave, you've given it your opinion of The Predator, um, which is his most recent film, which I think yeah. we're not going to which is kind of out of contention. We'll we'll give him yeah. we'll give him a mulligan on that. But otherwise, this is sort of, you know, his latest is greatest. Did he? Is this the peak of of Shane Blackness? So let's. I I just want to dive right into it and think about. So this is um, as as Shane Black does. This is you know an action comedy. It's noir inspired. It's privatized in L.A. Um, there's a lot of quips. There's a lot of snappy dialogue. We have our odd couple. We have our two guys that are not teamed up in the beginning that end up kind of forced together by circumstances. So it's got a lot of those calling cards. What do you guys think? I mean, I'll start off with saying is I, yeah, I think if you were getting someone to watch these detective type movies, I think you would save this one for last. Cause I really can't think of one detective buddy comedy since this movie that is like, that's learned from the nice guys. That's what sucks. I think it's been five years and I don't think there's been any. I mean, there's been like dark noir detective movies. I'm certain of it. But there hasn't been a buddy comedy detective story since that I can really point to. I would agree with that. I mean, even detectives aside, like even just buddy movies, I don't know that there's been a been one as good as this, you know, since this came out. Uh, I think this is a perfect spiritual sequel to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Like it has so many of the same qualities, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. You know, it's Shane Black. Um, so in some ways, it feels like he's doing that again, but it's it doesn't feel like he's ripping himself off. Uh, I think he's just proving that he's gotten better. I also I think I think Shane. I don't know, the, the, uh, this the recent time watching it, I think I got a little bit of um, Big Lebowski vibes from it, too. Oh, yeah. This idea where this, you know, in most of these detective stories, yeah, there's a big overarching story and our, and our detectives learn what's going on. Our main characters seem to kind of like realize it pretty late in the film and almost. Yeah, I think Lebowski's the only one I can think of where it's like our main characters don't know what's going on until like the last 15, like 10 minutes of the film. 
you start realizing how none of this really matters and this whole the, the missing wife and the the production the movies the nihilists it's all it's all just a bunch of gobbledygook um <laughs> that's I, yeah, I don't know just yeah. watching this i, I felt the, the the same thing where it's just like whereas the dude's always he's always drunk and high you know you have holland march who's just constantly just drunk and stumbling uh, in his investigations yeah yeah and i think that's that's actually kind of um uh, and maybe not a calling card, but it's a common feature of a lot of uh, sort of detective stories or private investigation stories that the, you know, our, our protagonist doesn't really have any effect on the story until the very end. Then they, that's why they're the hero. They kind of swoop in and, and solve the case or rescue the girl or whatever they need to do. They kind of do it at the end. And the fact that they don't have any effect kind of sort of on the uh, the rest of the world before then I don't think it's a detraction. I just, I, you know, I think it's a feature, not mm-hmm. a bug. And because uh, I actually think there's there's a, a trope going around or a meme or saying like that, uh, that Indiana Jones doesn't really mm. do anything in Raiders. Like he doesn't affect the plot in any way. Right. And you can think about it like, OK, maybe that's true until the very end, because he's on the island when they open the ark and he makes sure the Americans get it instead of the Germans. And like, so maybe that's the only way he really changes sort of the, the plot or the, the flow of events in the film. But even that one thing, that's, you know, he, he, he's kind of solving the case at the end or he's getting, you know, he's just rescuing the artifact that he's supposed to get for the allies and, you know, and help the war effort. So he does the thing he's supposed to do. He just doesn't do it until the end of the film. And I'm, I think, and I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. The well, the soul scene is probably the only thing I can think of that counters that point. Cause it's like, if he doesn't actually, put the well the souls uh staff in the right way they mm-hmm. you know belloc and his guys would probably be digging for a lot longer because then they would be right. like oh well this was in the right spot and let's redig this and let's so they, they might have eventually found it but through like a lot of trial and error and like maybe belloc would have gotten trouble with the nazis that's really yeah that's like the only thing i can think of where it's like he helps the second act where it's like he helped the nazis find the actual arc because he put the right side staff in. Right. Well, I guess the, Oh, sorry, go ahead, Travis. I mean, just to continue on the Raiders, you know, thing, like doesn't he lead the people to Marion to get the, the headpiece? Ooh. Would they have gotten to her without him? I feel like, yeah, I feel like, um, Tote they were probably would have got his goons probably would have gotten to her. Okay. And what's scary is they probably would have gotten to her, probably killed her. And like, and burned her her place down, like even okay. you know without any interference. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I think you can go both ways because I I actually I I think that I think you know when we see there's a Nazi on the plane when Indy you know kind of takes off for um was it M- N- Nepal Nepal or wherever, yeah, uh, yeah. Marion you know so I presume like there even though the guy's on the plane first he's on the plane because Indy has the ticket. Like they're following Indy there. Yeah. You figure how many, you know, how many flights are there to Nepal? <laughs> Probably yeah. not that many, you know, or, or they're just, you know, they're just on the plane or actually they're not going to Nepal because there's going to be lots of connections. Yeah. So he's just on that plane following Indy. If you presume that no, they're on the plane because they found Ravenwood, then they're going to find, I think the the people that say that Indy doesn't really affect the plot are saying, oh, the, the Nazis are already on the plane. They already know Ravenwood's in Nepal. They would find the headpiece without Indy. And 
they'd they'd have and without Indy, they they'd have the whole headpiece. They'd have both sides. They yeah. wouldn't just have the impression on on Tote's hand. And then they have the right staff in the Well of the Souls. They dig in the right place. They find, um, you know, they they find the Ark. They put it on the plane. They fly it back to Germany. Of course, the problem is, then the whole that that theory kind of falls apart because when he has the the fight with the the fracas seeker, the the big guy, the big mm-hmm. German, and blows up the plane, that's the plane that's supposed to take the the ark back to Germany. So even right there, yeah. even if you say, well, they they get the headpiece and they find the ark and everything without Indy, when he blows up the plane, that screws up the plan. With they end up yeah. taking it by a ship <laughs> instead of plane, and you know. Yeah. But anyway, so long story short, so it's it's consistent with these kind of you know PI stories that. Um, you know, our, our protagonist or protagonists are just kind of bumbling around or seemingly bumbling around, but they're observing and kind of put the pieces together and they don't solve it or really have an effect till the very end. So that's, you know, that's OK if, if that's what Indiana is doing. And that's certainly OK with with our guys here. What do you think about the writing in this film? I feel like this is definitely Shane Black at his most like raw and like cynical mm-hmm. like like this is way this is like not as tongue-in-cheek as it was in kiss kiss bang bang or last boy scout like he's really like like you know he's has he has language in it he has that cynical look i think uh uh when he comes over the hill of hollywood we see the back of the science covered graffiti um both holland marge and uh jackie both have this real like they, where they start there you know they're we already know these guys we go these guys are broken from jump like most of shane black's characters you know like there's it's not like one of them's doing really nice the other one's doing really bad kind of like lethal weapon oh shoot r.i.p to richard donner who directed lethal oh. weapon oh yeah uh r.i.p whereas whereas you know Murtaugh is like he's happy with his family everything's pretty going well he's getting a little older but he's feeling good and then riggs is like on a suicide bender so or this one, it's like both these guys really just are like in ruts. Whereas, you know, Jackie, it, uh, he's still mad at his wife. I guess he's probably still mad at himself. And then, yeah, Holland is like, you know, post his wife's death. He's like in a, in a spiral, drinking spiral. And his daughter's aggravated with him. House burned down, yeah. um, which we'll learn about later in the film, which is yeah. kind of like, like another sad, like, you go, oh, I get it now. Like, house burned down. Yeah, I do think this is a darker look at uh, Los Angeles and you know show business in Hollywood because I'm thinking like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, it's you know it's 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 a dark comedy, but I think there's more comedy and there's there's that yeah. one there's the one speech Harry says where he's like just all the starlets that come to Hollywood yeah. there's you know there's something wrong with them there's something in the background and they're broken and they just come out here to try to be stars, but then. Like even that's played for laughs because he's given that speech to Harmony, who's like, hello, I'm one of those starlets. I'm someone, you know, I'm a young woman who came out to Hollywood to be famous. Like you're, yeah. you know, so they even even kind of the one serious note kind of ends on a ends with a punchline or they turn it into a joke where this has got, you know, certainly it's it's lighthearted and it's comedy elements. At, you know, it wouldn't be Shane Black without that. But I think in terms it, of it takes some it takes some serious left turns in terms of the, how adult it gets and how real it gets and uh, mm-hmm. the sadness that's, that's in there as well. I don't think you expect, you know, you think you see the trailer for this and it's goofy and it seems very silly. 
and then it starts with, I mean, you know, for, for the opening scene, you know, there's a woman dead, and then it continues from there. And like, I, what I like about this is it does, like I said, it does feel like kiss, kiss, bang, bang. And in, in terms of the, these two guys playing off each other, the writing is, is very, you know, feels very familiar. But then you take the added element of having a, a kid play a major part in the movie. And you know, she's not annoying. She has things to say. She's smart. And I think, I think Shane Black either learned that on Iron Man 3 with the, the Harley character, the Harley mm -hmm. and, and Tony Stark relationship. I see a lot of, uh, of like Jackie or, uh, Jackson Healy and, and Holly March. You know, I, I see those two as the, the Tony Stark and Harley of this movie. Um, so like I said before, like I think, uh, Shane Black is taking all those things that he learned from those other movies and he's putting all of those ingredients into this mixed with some, like Dave said, some, uh, uh, the Big Lebowski, and I, I see a lot of Boogie Nights in here too, just in the the look and feel and the tone and the the seventies of it all. So, or yeah, is this yeah, early eighties yeah. or seventies? This, this is seventy eight, I believe. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, Holland, yeah, Holland. And first of all, you know, like Holland March. Maybe it's a slight reference to Hollenbeck, Joe Hollenbeck. You know, Holland, Holland, but. Mm -hmm. His daughter in, in Last Boy Scout, I felt like, you know, she was, yeah, her plus the kid from Iron Man 3. Like, they they had to crawl just so um, uh, Angry Rice's Holly March could, like, really be that. Yeah. She could fly. Like, and, and she does. She becomes, like, you know, the most mature character of the three of them. Yeah, the, the, there's, the, the daughter in Long Kiss Goodnight is... Like really a minor part. She doesn't play much of it and all. But there's something about I don't know, just Shane Black knows how to write yeah. for kids or he writes, you know, I mean they're 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 precocious, you know, he's kinda um you know, he's 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 not writing it like it's a little kid. He's writing it like it's a little kid who's acting like an adult. He's you know, the kind of the sassy preteen girl. But yeah, this is certainly um yeah. kind of the, the the natural result of that progression, um, you know, with the last Boy Scout and and uh, Iron Man three, like you said, and uh, I don't want to. I don't want to jump ahead so much, but I really think it is a crazy left turn playing Tally, who right. is the assistant. The fact that both of them, we find out, are in bed with the Detroit mob and are completely okay with killing mm -hmm. people. And you know, I know Niall, He's going to stand on that hill, and he's like, "Well, you have to trust Kim Basinger. He's going to shout it till his lungs are dry." And but it's like, look, man, <laughs> she's bad. Yeah. She is like. She doesn't like you know. She's barely like crying over the fact that her daughter's dead. Yeah, she she's a shark. Head. So it's like it's it's creepy. It's creepy how much that that character Judith is in bed. And, and and at the end, you know, when she's like talking about how like we owe so much to the Troy mob. It it's another. I mean, I don't. When did this? When did um the the, the big short come out? Because there's moments in here where I feel like this is him kind of talking about the picture how the the bankies the real estate companies effed over america well in the 70s the the car companies are effing over america yeah so that's oh, the year just before sit there and, yeah okay yeah the big shorts in 2015 okay so this is so this is him either he just either he just got around and he was watching it or or ryan goslin's telling him about it while on set or something 
or you know, and maybe this is just him. This is just him. Like he he's he's taking a little bit of modern stuff where you know the things that Amelia is saying. This is also this could be Shane that mentality of just being like you know we had it, it's and we had to rely on the porn industry to expose the car industry. <laughs> We know, as I said, Robert Downey Jr. having a, a, a faceless, literally, role as as Sid Shattuck is like you find out. Oh, this guy, this this porn mogul, is actually doing a decent thing. He's bankrolling this, you know, uh, yeah. uh, inconvenient Expose truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> inconvenient truth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was trying to think. I was like, what's the Al Gore stuff? And I was like, that inconvenient truth, where it's just like you know, this movie is uh, important to know about. Yeah. Once again, I just want to say, very glad we've got a, a, a noir tale dealing with L.A. that doesn't end in a real estate deal. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> I, you know, I, I had to watch. The, what's the one you want me to watch? What's the one? Into the Night. Uh, after Hours. After Hours. OK, I after need to watch hours. that. All right. Yeah, you got to see that's that's a, a New York noir. You definitely got to watch okay. After Hours. Yeah. OK. Um, and that movie's about nothing. <laughs> In the end, like there's no real estate deal. There's no there's no mob ties. There's nothing. Um, it's my kind of film. It's about nothing. But uh, I mean, if, yeah, if it's a good like I said, I mean, like I'll watch it. But yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if these guys, I said, these guys really didn't. They did not save the day like they right. They got that film out, that film because they have the film at the end. So it's it's to believe that like it hopefully got in the right hands. Clearly it didn't work. The mob still got off. Right, I should right. say that the Detroit mob, uh, uh, car company still got off, and you know, and, and it's never discussed, but it's like Russell Crowe was clearly trying to go cold turkey sober mm-hmm. since his wife left him because yeah. he like refuses to drink, and now he's just back drinking himself. <laughs> and, and Holland March being this like sort of semi functioning alcoholic, he's just like, Yeah, come on, at least you're drinking again, yeah. like yeah. we're gonna work together. Uh, I, was, I was actually disappointed at the end. When oh, yeah. when Jackson's drinking, because I picked up on that, and he does some mm-hmm. other than just not drinking or smoking and everything. In in contrast to Holland, who's like the, the in the party scene, he's literally double fisting it. He's got a <laughs> yeah. drink in each hand. But when he does that thing, he um he smells the drink before putting it down. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's an alcoholic tell of someone who like really misses it. But I was kind of you know I'm like oh he's holding in, he doesn't drink, he doesn't give in, and then at the very end. Um, I kind of I was a little disappointed in in Jackson there. I thought he could stick yeah. to it. But. Well, I that I think that's exactly the how you're supposed to feel. That's yeah. that's Shane Black saying, "Yeah, these guys don't learn, you know, they're they're truly bad people, you know, and they are flawed severely." So, yeah, they're going to fall off the wagon. You know, as much as you want him to to stick to his guns and and uh better himself, yeah, he's going to he's going to go back on his convictions and and yeah. have a drink at the end yeah it's like they they they, they did uh, one right thing <laughs> and it still didn't work yeah but what's good is that holland gets him but but like i said the, the silver lining is holland puts him we got we're the nice guys pi yeah you're gonna work you know with they're me. working together yeah that's the silver line is that holland right. it, he didn't get he's not giving up on jackson healy he knows they can work together and you know they're gonna you know the <laughs> this guy's which is the white they think he's sleeping with uh linda carter something like that yeah wonder woman <laughs> wonder woman that's what we gotta find out yeah, yeah. and that's and that, that's a nice that's one of the nice kind of shane black calling cards of you know this sort of odd couple duo that 
they kind of end up together. And we see, you know, at the end of um, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, they're kind of together. And, you know, the end of Iron Man 3, it's it's um, Tony and Sam are sort of back together again. Um, and then we see it here with Jackson and Holland at the end. Yeah. Uh, uh, I have the Blu-ray of this, and there's a little bit, there's a little documentary behind the scenes of this, but, like, none of his movies have a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff on it, hmm. and he does very minimal interviews, I feel like, in these movies. He, he has the right, he has carte blanche to tell us about it, but cool. the one behind-the-scenes is only a few minutes long, but, yeah, the one line he says is, he says, I have a millions of these ideas, I could tell, like, I could do this, these type of movies, like, forever, all day, as long as... If studios, if studios are cool with it. I could do it, and and uh, and I could, yeah, I could tell he like he's able to tell these buddy cop stories. And though I, this is the only film I can think of, and I think it was the scene when they're talking to the kid outside the burned house, and he's like telling him about the clue, but he's also like, "Hey, you want twenty bucks? See my dick?" <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> I think it was that moment while I was in the theater, being like, "I need to buy the Blu-ray." Like I, the movie's not even yeah. over; I'm already sold mm. on it. And I was like, I already want to watch this again because I'm having such a good time. That's the only time I can think of the theater where I was like, maybe that, maybe like Sicario, where it's just like, I already want to watch it again. I haven't even finished it the first time. I already know. I want to go back. I already want to go back again. Because that first act, when that confusion between like the aunt wants to know about, she saw Misty, but Misty's dead. Yeah. You have, and, and they're all, everyone's chasing uh, Amelia and they don't know why they're chasing Amelia. It's just like, why is this Amelia character like running around? So it's a whole confusion. You you stay confused with like Holland and Jackson for like the longest time. Um, yeah, I mean, I've 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 seen this movie like beginning to end twice in the last couple of weeks, and yeah, I I still don't know exactly what went on. I mean, like, yeah, all right for, <laughs> yeah. for the audience member that's like look lost. The the aunt originally hires Holland March because mm-hmm. yeah. at, two days after uh, two days after her 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 niece Misty died in the car crash. Which it's never it's never said, but clearly like probably older uh, nicknamed Keith David's character, older guy. It's all his name is older guy and blue yeah, face. It's all her name is. Those guys probably ran her off the road. Okay, that's mm-hmm. step one. So then she calls Holland March because she says she saw her. Now clearly we know now she saw Amelia screening the print. So he's like, okay, there's a girl, and so he starts backtracking Misty Mountains, and then someone uh, name tips. Amelia. So now he's like, okay, I don't have Misty Mounds because she's I know she's dead, but Amelia was last with her. So I'll work on this Amelia character. At the same time, older guy in Blueface are looking for Amelia as well. So she hires Jackson Healy and to 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 go after the guys. And he he goes after and he gets to tip that it's Holland rather than Blueface and older guy. Because she says there's two guys. So I assume Mm. she's talking about older older guy in Blueface. But we never see those two actually go after because by that time, Blueface is dying. Older guys like already got beaten up and they're going to call in John Boy. And that's another sad thing, too. Right. Matt Bomer, you know, we all like we all we love we all love. We all, I know everyone. Everyone loves yeah. White Collar. White Collar. Great show. Yes. USA Network. Characters welcome. Great show. <laughs> uh uh, I know. I think the Sullivan baseball guy, he had the other he had Matt Bomer, yeah. but he had the FBI guy on. Uh, and I, I'm like, I don't know about that that actor personally. I don't know. Maybe he loves the movie that they were talking about. But I would just ask him white collar questions. I'd be like, so you were married to Tiffany Amber Thiessen in the show. That was cool, right? And I would just I would just leave it there. Like that was cool that like you got married to <laughs> Kelly from Saved by the Bell. And I go, that was pretty cool in a fictional sense. 
So, yeah. um, but him playing like, yeah, like John Boy, this like serial killer, and that's another thing is that like it makes a lot of references and it does not hold your hand that you don't yeah. know the references. It's I like, like that too. The the one girl is talking about the Waltons, and you know, yeah, but why they call this guy John Boy or something like that, and yeah, then you see him and he's got this big mole inside his face, like the actor that played John Boy. It's like, yeah, that's a clever. You know, I mean, it's not super like, uh, yeah, a secret. You know, or it's not. You don't have, doesn't take much to figure that one out. But yeah, <laughs> I like that. And and uh, like, and, and so yeah, the actor the top is Richard Thomas. And the thing is that like, yeah. I like I don't rem- I never watched the Waltons. Obviously, like I'm too young to like get into that. But when the hockey puck and then you know John Boy has a pot, I was like. Oh, it must be the guy from it because I recognize mm. Richard Thomas from it because, like, you know, they played it on like Sci Fi Channel like all the freaking time when I was a kid. So, like, I saw like the yeah, I saw the it and I saw like Richard Thomas 100 times. Like, that guy's got a hell of a mole in his cheek. So, like, once I like my brain put that together, I went, Oh, I get it, got it. I was just like, it all like, and so like, <laughs> I had enough, I had enough information to, to, to figure out that joke, but um. Yeah, it's very unabashed like Shane Black pulling from like old 70s references and being like, I don't care if my audience is like probably like too young for this because he's probably like post Iron Man, like has a whole new audience now. <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, oh, you guys are not going to get all this like detective noir stuff. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this there, there are yeah, so many uh, references. and I'm sure there's a ton that I didn't get. And it's nice because it, it plays like you, if you don't get them, you just you don't know. Yeah. You're not getting them. Um, one thing I know, I think Dave, you'll appreciate this. The um, the el- when they're in the elevator, and uh, the girl from Ipanema is playing, and yes. I was like, you know, how many how many different movies have we seen? <laughs> like just two guys standing in an elevator, just waiting to get to their floor, and that you know that girl from Ipanema is playing in the background. <laughs> I I still think the best one is still if you've never seen it, Deep Rising, because they have Benny. From the Mummy, which comes out like the next year, is Stephen Summers, same mm-hmm. director. Yeah. He has it like say like you know Benny's like oh, the girl from Ipanema. You know? <laughs> I can't remember the actor's name. I, he's also in, uh uh no there will be blood, but it's like, I always name, know him as Benny from the Mummy. Yeah, ben. but yeah, just like yeah, you gotta have yeah elevator. Like what else? Gotta play girl from Ipanema. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I I, I just kind of back it up a little bit. I know we were talking yeah. about um kind of Amelia and her part play. I just want to yeah. mention, uh, you know, f- fans of uh, Groundhog Day might not know this, might be interested. Oh, uh, yeah, I just act- found this yeah. out. Yeah, the actress who plays Amelia, Margaret Qualey, is yeah. the daughter of uh, Andy McDowell. Whoa! Which, is, which I didn't know, and then I'm like, oh, yeah. kind of researching the, the 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 cast, and as soon as I saw that, I'm like... Makes sense. The, the resemblance is obvious, like, yeah. once I know it. But I'm like, oh, yeah. So, uh... Wow, yeah. Family. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She has like the same like, cheekbone structure. Yeah. 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 That is so funny. Uh, so yeah, just another one of those connections. Like if you get it, you get it. If you don't, then it's it's still a good movie. You still go along with it. Um yeah. Okay. I, what was your what was your all right, what was what was a favorite like non-plot bit? What was like what was because there's so many little oh, I've just got little one. things in here that I go, I love it. It has nothing to do with the plot. I just love it. Okay, Travis, you go first. I like that they they establish this completely out of nowhere dream sequence where Holland March is driving and suddenly there's a, a giant CGI bee with them in the car, right? Yeah. 
and Which Hannibal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so then that goes on, you know, that that which is great. And then because there's dialogue in, in there somewhere about the bees, we got to save the bees or something like that. Oh, the killer bees. They, they're going to use re- yeah, the yeah. paper about the killer bees. That's right. And the okay. guy and the bartender makes the, make, that's so much small, so much bullshit, small talk in this movie. You have the killer bees. I'll kill you. And he's like just yeah. drinking at the party. <laughs> but so, so my favorite bit though, is that later when they're confronted with uh tally, Holland is like going for uh, uh, Healy's leg gun. Yeah. And just like feeling them all up, you know, just trying to find this gun. And then he's like, what gun? It's like, well, you had the gun in the car the other night, you know? And then he like slowly dawns on, on Holland that, oh, that was part of my, uh, like this weird um, um, hallucination that I was having, you know, and it, but it's, it seems so real to him at the time, at least that part, because that's believable, you know? Yeah. And, but he's like, yeah. he, so he's like backtracking in his mind, like, okay, there's the, the car wreck. And then there was the, the, he was showing me the gun and there was the B, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, at what point does the, did the hallucination start? You know? Yeah. So I love that, that bit. That one, yeah, that one's good. I think I like is, um, not Amelia, uh, Holly offers Jackson a uh, oh. yoo at the next scene he has a yeah. case of them. Like he goes all in and brings <laughs> yeah. a case back home of Yoo-Hoo. Yoo-Hoo. <laughs> it's like everyone, he's like, ah, oh, Yoo-Hoo, thanks. And the next scene, he's got a case of them, like completely. That's like me. It's like if I have, if I have like a, oh God, if I have like, I'm trying to think what it would have. Like I have like a. Uh, a Weiler's? Something, yeah, or 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 a, or a cookie or a snack from like my. Yeah. Oh, you know what? If I had, if someone offered me a Dunkaroo, I'd probably mm. like go on Amazon and buy like an actual case of Dunkaroos. Like, yeah, I had Dunkaroos <laughs> since I was like nine. And like, yeah, let's go to Dunkaroos and yeah. I had one little bit that I don't know if it's my favorite, but I thought it was funny, and it's it's. I think it's a callback to something else, and I can't remember. Maybe you guys can help me out. There's when they're in the party. There's one line you kind of hear in the background. Someone saying. All I told him is, if you want me to do that, then don't eat the asparagus. Oh, <laughs> it's got to be a, a golden shower joke, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and yeah. asparagus, no, definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. But uh, but I, I I don't know because I I feel like I've heard that line or something a very oh. similar line in something else, and I've been like searching the web. I've been going to like sites that have movie scripts and like searching for asparagus and like uh. looking at every movie that you know every movie line that mentions asparagus, and I haven't been able to find it. I just I have this strong feeling like I've heard that line somewhere else before. Yeah, that that I mean, I've heard like comedians make that line. So you're right. It's got to at least be in some a lexicon of like some of your TV show makes a joke about, oh, yeah, yeah. it smells funny. Whoa, do you have asparagus? Something I, I mean, like, obviously, like that, that joke's been made a lot. But I feel like yeah. that like that's like that that line or something yeah. similar where, where it's just a throwaway where someone's saying like mm-hmm. and, um, you know, obviously they're saying like. I will do, you know, I will do a golden shower. Just don't eat asparagus first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought that was funny. And I think that lends to like, and, and, and both you guys are going to kind of touch that. Like this is, this is like, this, this is a bigger world. Like there's, yeah. this is, you know, even um, uh, to like to compare to kiss, kiss, bang, bang, like that's in LA, but that felt like kind of very small. Like there isn't really anything else happening in the city other than what we're seeing with, um, you know, with our with with the main guys, 
um, with our protagonist. Whereas there, yeah. you know, you have like the kid on the bike that wants to show his dick and like all these other little things that you get yeah. a feeling like there, there's a whole world going on around, around, yeah. um, you know, around Jackson and Holland. And, and the fact that like, once we realize, like we start putting it together, it's like that Holland got hit in the head once a long time ago, loses his sense of smell. Doesn't recognize yeah. there's a gas leak. House blows up. His wife's dead. And so they get a rental property down the street from their house. And that the daughter wants nothing more than to, like, go back to their house. Yeah. Like, that's... Once you start piecing it together, it's like, it's such a sad little thing that is not, you know, enough clues are put there that you start realizing, you start remembering she's walking around. And she says when he walks over the house, oh, you're standing in the toilet. Now you're staying in the bedroom. You start realizing, oh, shoot, like she's memorized where her like house would be. And she's really trying to live in it because she hates being in that rental house. Yeah, I forgot that that his his lack of smell is what kind of led to the, the house blowing up because there was another scene of him, I think it was like his cigarette was about to burn down to to the filter, and I was thinking that that's what had caused the house fire previously. Um, so I, I, the oh, that could have been, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it's because it's never said how the house goes on fire, how she died. It's like was yeah, you know, who was home? Was it just her? So yeah, mm. it's 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 like it's like how did yeah him and his daughter not get out fine, but the mother yeah died, yeah. <laughs> I think another thing that makes me yeah. sad is that, like, I said, every time I hear uh, Marvin, was it Marvin Gaye's Love and Happiness, I get mm -hmm. a little sad because I think about this movie and how I remember going, wow, what a great film. In the back of my head, I'm like, this is going to be Terriers all over again. This is going to be niche. You're not going to you're not going to get a sequel to this. You're not going to get any more of it. You know, and then they said every and then all people want to talk about coming Oscars was like, oh, Ryan Gosling was so good in La La Land. And I was like sitting there being like, God, you're uh. so good. <laughs> And nice guys. And like, all you want to talk about is his jazz scenes with Emma Stone. Like, yes, musical dancing. I'm not going to knock it. There is an audience for it. It's why like Hamilton and in the Heights as a, as a fan base, but it's like, it's just so good. And like all these, these little things he did in this nice guys. And it's just like not talked about when come the Oscar time. Oh, it bugged me to no end. And like I said, yeah. we're at five years later, you know, there's oh there's there's just yeah five years you know I, my cell phone god it was my, my pixel two here that's five <laughs> years old i gotta yeah. get a new phone i need a new nice guys i need a new damn sequel yeah i mean i think this is of of the the films we've discussed from shane black like this is the one that i think most suits a sequel oh for um, sure yeah, I mean, we, I think we, with Last Action Hero, I think we talked, we're probably more interested in like a prequel, like more Hollenbeck stories, but not necessarily no, like... Last, you didn't mean Last Boy Scout, not Last Action Hero. Oh, sorry, but, yeah, let, sorry, yeah, Last Boy Scout. Um, Like we, you know, we kind of wanted more Hollenbeck stories, but not necessarily like Joe and Jimmy, like not necessarily that team up. Whereas like this could almost be like, you know, the origin story, the kickoff for like a whole series of, Oh yeah. I could easily, uh, you know, Jackson and Holland stories. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a, a future case that these two get involved with, you know, maybe the, maybe Holly at that point is, you know, she's in college now and she can, you know, still help out her dad, help solve the case. And cause she's, you know, on her way to becoming a better detective than, than, uh, than her old man. That, than sure. old than Holland is. Yeah. 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 And and uh, hey, you can bring back that actress. She was really great. Um, oh yeah, 
Agori Rice, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correct, but uh, she was Siobhan in Mayor of East Ham. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she, I mean, she's and, a really uh, great actress if they could get Betty her Brandt in the, in the, the new, the new Spider-Man franchise. Yeah. She mm-hmm. had a bigger, I mean, she had a more memorable role because I think she's a more bigger role in Far From Home. I think she's in like two scenes in the original Spider-Man. I don't yeah. really remember her much, but yeah, I think they, they got her in a few more scenes, uh, maybe because of that, because like 2019, like, all right, well, this is a good actress. Like we could trust her with more scenes. But yeah, hopefully in No Way Home, uh, you know, there'll be more stuff yeah. with her. Heck, they could do an alternate version where it's like he's dating her and an MJ is like different and it's all different. If we're playing with this multiverse nonsense, I mean we can go any and everywhere. Yeah. But but yeah, yeah it's like it's five years later. Like they could put now they could put these two guys like now they're in the eighties, you know? We could put yeah. them in the freaking eighties. Like that and, and they're into so- you know, I mean what's big in the eighties, you know, cocaine and, and yeah, like Wall Street like shenanigans and and that's a good yeah like you could i mean definitely shane black could definitely tell a story where it's 80s wall street but we're still talking but we're talking but it's also like you know this allusion to like modern wall street how like you know we're having all this like because the whole game something we have all this like sec stuff we're like oh wow all these hedge funds are just making money off of like companies falling apart so we could totally do something yeah, to see. yeah, yeah, just like he, you know, hedge funds, hedge funds, and junk bonds, and, and all that stuff, and um, Larry the Liquidator type stuff. So yeah. I mean, definitely, yeah, it would just fall right in. Uh, yeah, probably not going to happen though. No, <laughs> uh, it's all good. I like uh, one thing I like about this movie yeah. is that kind of like I mentioned about it having the feel of a Boogie Nights, it just, it feel they, they nailed the, the look, you know, the set dressing, the production, the art direction, they really nailed the, the seventies LA. And I'm sure a lot of that is, you know, uh, computer enhanced graphics and, and, and things like that to, to clean up the city, to make it, to, to actually make it dirtier, you know, to make it look like it's, it's set back in time. So I'm sure a lot of, a lot of it is that. So with all the look and feel of a period piece, yet the, a lot of the camera work and the snappy dialogue and like that feels very modern. But I think I, somehow they found a way to blend the two perfectly, I think, with uh, the feel of the 70s, but the making it, I guess, making it like a movie now, I, I think somehow they... I think they pulled it off. Yeah, it it felt very natural to me for like five seconds. It was kind of um, not a joke, but like kind of humorous. You see these modern day actors and they're back in like the 70s fashion, the wide ties and wide, lape- wide lapels and everything. But that was just like, you know, the, the first time viewing like the shock of that and the kind of humor of that wore off literally like five seconds, like almost instantly. And then... I'm immersed. I'm in the world and everything is like, okay, this is kind of what it looked like back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So really good. So that's, that's about all I have my notes. I mean, we can go through, uh, there's, there's a lot of calling cards, you know, there's a lot of callbacks. The, I think the only thing of, of all the things sort of Shane Black is known for, uh, the only thing this doesn't hit is it's not a Christmas movie. Uh, you oh, know, yes, it, it is. is. Well, right, yeah, right at the end, we're, we have a hundred percent confirmation. You're right. Yeah, at the very end, when they meet up at the bar, uh, 
when they team up right yeah. before the end. Yeah. So, it's, well, that's something yeah, in that Mexican restaurant is Christmas themed. All right. Yeah. You see, there's like Christmas lights, a Christmas tree in the background. Cause I think, but like the majority of the film, it's around, it's the end of October. It's oh, like a okay. Halloween. Well, cause gotcha. I, I, I mean, well, the, the party they go to is a costume party, but that's, you know, it's LA, the costume party any time of the year. Um, but then when, uh, um, is it Jackson who has the the um like the word of the day calendar? Oh yeah, uh, it's like October twenty sixth. I think is like the the word he's he's trying to remember. Okay. Yeah, so and I, so go, and going so by the L A show, the L A car show is usually somewhere around yeah mid November. So yeah, we have somewhere between yeah. late October and and uh, and I mean this also takes place only probably within a few days. It's so fast. So yeah, so this is all yeah. like yeah right before Halloween. So, yeah, I mean, the yeah, sort of the code at the end, like the wrap up, it's it's then Christmas, like, you know, a month or two later. But as yeah. a whole, I wouldn't say this. This is not a Christmas movie. No. no yeah. He, yeah. He put it in. You put it in for us. He was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, just to kind of close out, like my final thoughts is I, I think in terms of if I was introducing someone to, to Shane Black, um I might I might start in the beginning. I might start Lethal Weapon. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of things he's directed, I might go Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I know there's 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 some things about that film I don't like, and in a lot of ways this is a better film. And I think in terms of rewatchability and like little things that you can pick up in the background, like there's there's a lot in that, but there's much more in this, you know, in the nice guys. Like there's a lot of good detail here. But in terms of like just an introduction to kind of, you know, Shane Black and particularly as a director, I might go kiss, kiss, bang, bang first before this. All right. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think Travis, you've, you you said in the beginning kind of like this would be the, the first one you'd pull out to introduce someone, right? I think it would be, I mean, my, I think my perfect Shane Black trilogy would be kiss, kiss, bang, bang, then Iron Man three. And then this, I think the three of them, feel very connected um in, in pretty obvious ways I, i'd say um yeah now kiss yeah, this kiss, bang, one, bang is, is is missing like the little kid angle that he, it is you know he handles so well and you know here iron man 3 last boy scout um well and um last action hero yeah right? yeah yeah okay what do you think, Dave? We know what you think, right? Like it. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like in this hypothetical, like, you know, when I'm tailoring, when I'm sitting a person down uh, and uh, having them watch these stuff, I, I mean, like, it's going to be, I, I have to go in chronological order, but I definitely feel like there's going to be moments where I'm going to have to, like, we have to watch something that's not Shane Black that I feel like is still influential to that, to that genre. And I, like, it definitely... Um, Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski would definitely be somewhere in there. I'd probably put it like right before um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So it'd be stuff where it's like it, it, this is also the same genre, just to get that same vibe. Like I need mm -hmm. you to watch, you know, I have a, like like Lethal Weapon, Last Boy Scout, uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. I'm trying to think. I guess yeah, then probably Big Lebowski. I'd jump over there to the to the uh, to Big Lebowski, and then yeah, jump back to yeah Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And then I guess yeah, then Iron Man. I mean, I guess I mean like at that point, like if I'm doing Iron Man three, I guess I have to make them watch the the, the, uh, the Marvel movies. 
Because I just feel like you need to have that bond with Rhodey just so we know where mm-hmm. we sit with Rhodey. Yeah. You know? So it's it's like tricky. It's like, well, now we're like now we're playing with Marvel stuff. Like, do you watch Marvel? Okay. And we have to go back. We have now to like <laughs> watch like I don't know. I, I think Iron Man three is enough of a standalone movie. I don't think you have to maybe yeah, like, maybe you it wouldn't is. have to to sit someone down and say, Okay, you gotta watch all twenty Marvel movies just to get <laughs> Shane Black's Iron Man three. <laughs> Yeah, I I think yeah, I think you're right. I think they would get. I could just give them a gist. Like he's a guy. He's, he's a rich guy, and da, 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 and he had this thing in his heart, and then yeah. So yeah, yeah I could probably get someone a, like a. If you have a general idea of like who Iron Man is, yeah, yeah, and they set that one up well enough. I think at like the start, he's like, I just did some shit with the Avengers that I'm not, you know, haven't dealt with yet, so I'm not in a good place. Hmm. You know, it takes them away from New York and out and you know wherever else. It takes them out into the woods of of yeah. you know, Tennessee. So, and then I, I don't know. But all right. So, any any final thoughts or or were those? I, your I did want to touch on. We yeah. didn't like mention oh, yeah. the the gut punch. Uh, for me, like just the saddest moment was Amelia is like running down, you know, running away. Um, oh. Yeah. And then meets up with the John boy, you know, the assassin, and he just just shot right to the head, you know, just it just she just lands right in his lap and he just takes her out. And it's just for me, it's just a shocking moment because I forget, you know, at least I forgot this time around that um, I, I think I expected her to be running down the hill, leaving that party. And she was the one that gets, gets hit by the van and gets, you know, so and gets killed instead of the blue face guy. And then when that didn't happen, I thought, oh, I must be thinking of, you know, I must have like conflated the events or, or, you know, gotten something wrong. And then, so when she does end up running into John Boy later and just getting killed, it's it's just su- such a gut punch that, again, it is a, it's Shane Black saying, yeah, there are real stakes here. It's goofy and it's funny when, you know, Ryan Gosling can't keep the bathroom door open to confront <laughs> Healy, but... <laughs> You know, yeah. then there's it's just it's a complete 180 when you've got stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely. It's not a he's not afraid to go dark um, in those kind of moments. And, yeah, it's something where you expect maybe some kind of, you know, in, in the, the movies have kind of taught me to expect, you know, she's going to get out of it somehow. So, you know, there's some other, you know, another car is going to come by or something's going to happen. And it's like, no, no, but you don't always get not all your characters get your happy endings in the real world. And he lets that come in. Definitely. All right. Thank you. So I think that's enough. If, if you're listening out there and you haven't seen this film, hopefully we've wet your whistle to not spoil too much to make it, you know, make it clear that this is definitely worth checking out. Certainly if you're wondering where are the modern, uh, you know, the, the action comedies and, and the noir private eye stories, like where are those these days? Well, this is, this is one of them that's, uh, not too old. It's still pretty recent. So it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Um, and speaking of checking out, so Travis, if folks if folks ha- don't know where to find you, if they want to hear more from you, where can they go? So I can be found over on my podcast, uh, Real Comic Heroes. That's real with two E's. And over there, we have a long list of comic book movies that we've built. And we go through that list in chronological in release order, uh, we started with Superman and the Mole Men from 1951, and as of as of this recording, we're uh, right in uh, 1995 
So we just did the anime Ghost in the Shell. We've got Tank Girl coming up. We've got Batman Forever coming up. And so, yeah, we, we just we just like to talk about comic book movies over there. Um, and then we get outside of the genre a little bit with stuff like uh, James Bond and, you know, Indiana Jones and Star Wars and Star Trek and things like that. And then... Um, Coming soon is my my new podcast, which is called Marvel Events Timeline. And over there, it's going to be kind of like Real Comic Heroes in that we'll have a big list of comic book events going way back to the to the nineteenth, well, to nineteen thirty nine when Marvel was Timely Comics. And so we'll start there and we'll work our way to the present, um, hitting most of the major events. Yeah, really look, looking look forward for to the Marvel events. That that should be good. Um, and and Dave, as if we didn't know, where can folks hear more from you? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I'm slowly like working on finishing up uh, Five Minutes of Mystery, where I cover the 1999 superhero comedy ensemble uh, Mystery Men. I just I I wanted to look up uh, like movies because like I was like, all right, let's say I'm I'm a regular person. I'm like, what movies to look up after I'm done? Nice guys, like what to watch. And a lot of movies they recommend. Some I do know, some I don't. They're like all off, like yeah, like, like and some are okay, like Get Shorty, um, and like you know, Bad Boys. But it's like there's none that are like after Nice Guys to watch. The closest someone got was um, Hitman's Bodyguard, and I'm like, yeah, that's like mm. I think that's like too much a comedy. That's just yeah. goofball. So yeah. it's like there's just nothing after uh, the Chips remake. No, that was bum. Uh, and he said, "Rush Hour Tank Cash, they're good, but just there's nothing after. That's what's so crazy. It's just, uh, hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe after we get through the pandemic, um, you know, <laughs> we could we can get some more quality movies. I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll wait and see. We'll hang yeah. on. Yep. Um, and speaking of hanging on, listeners, you'll have to hang on. This, this wraps up our season of Shane Black. We're going to be taking a summer siesta. We're going to take some some time off through July and August." Uh, we will return early in September with some good stuff. Uh, Brian couldn't join us tonight. He had some family changes. Uh, had a baby about a month ago, little Luciana. So uh, welcome to the family. But that that's keeping Brian busy, keeping him up at night, and keeping him from podcasting from now for now. But he should be back with us in September. Again, we are nextscenepod.com and nextscenepod on all the social media. So like, review, and subscribe. And join us next time for the next scene. Talking to death.